0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the woody allen retrospectives sister project another episode of woody allen adjacent where we talk about other interesting films and cinema through the lens of a woody allen fan as always i'm here with my co-host and partner on this journey james daniel walsh of manic expression sir welcome back How are you doing? I'm doing good and I'm excited to talk about this movie. So am I, for so many reasons. But before that, guys, if you missed our last discussion, we spoke about 2012's Liberal Arts. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, there'll be a link in the top right-hand corner of the YouTube card and I'll put that link down below. We're going to have a playlist of all these movies as we accumulate this Woody Allen adjacent project. You're going to see a library of woody allen like films and i'm looking forward to us building this collection of discussions and we're moving on to the next um, movie which was a pick by james james would you mind telling us a bit about this movie what we're discussing the synopsis and then we'll, we'll go back and forth as always
1: yeah uh well the movie is keeping the faith from the year 2000 it was uh uh, directed by Edward Norton and stars him, uh, Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman. They play childhood friends who uh, all reconnect when they're adults. And Edward Norton has become a priest and Ben Stiller a rabbi. And uh, Jenna Elfman is the the woman that they both fall in love with and, uh, and uh, wacky hijinks ensue from there.
0: Pretty straightforward. I mean you've seen this set up a lot of times two men one woman childhood friends you know kind of a third wheel freeway situation how's it gonna go the first thing i want to say james is um again the way we're doing this woody and jason is i've got two movies james has one we go back and forth this is james pick but when james said we're going to talk about keeping the faith i said james i saw that movie because I, I remember a couple of years ago i was looking for christmas movies I did like a Google search and it just came up and I thought Edward Norton and Ben Seller did the movie together in the 2000s. And I've never heard of it or I haven't heard people talk about it. What is this movie keeping the faith? Huh? So, and I watched this James last year and I remember thinking to myself, meh. <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, the movie was just very paint by numbers i just remember i was looking for a christmas movie it just seemed generic romance and i just thought i don't know i came away from the movie just thinking okay so i don't know i just wasn't it wasn't what i was looking for so now a year later you've brought this back up i've rewatched this movie last week and i was blown away for so many reasons and um it to be honest with you i've got so many misconceptions of what i expected this movie to be i just felt like i watched the movie for the first time and i know this happens to people sometimes but um this was a really really damn good movie i'm really impressed and i think the fact this movie has kind of been swallowed up by each's career they are so well celebrated and loved for so many other things they've done i can understand why this movie has disappeared in both of their filmographies that people don't even know they did this movie but that's why we're gonna gonna talk about it but i'm gonna throw it back to you james what's your history with this movie and you know why did why did you recommend this movie i want to hear your your side of things i have an i have an extremely
1: complicated history with this movie um i was 20 years old when it came out and uh i was studying to be a priest
0: are you serious? Oh, my God. Yep. I'm just finding out something <laughs> about you. I, I didn't even know. My good, James. OK, yep. OK, keep, going, keep um, going.
1: And, you know, my on my father's side, uh, everybody's Irish Catholic. And on my mother's side, I am a quarter Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm 20 years old. I have just had my heart broken for the first time, really, in my whole life, which is why I went to go join the priesthood. It was like other guys who go join the foreign legion or something, you know, one broke your heart. So you're going to just chuck it all and go. Oh,
0: uh, my god! this movie just gets even better. and better. <laughs> I mean, putting your life into it is blowing my mind. Keep going. I, I remember sitting there and watching it and um,
1: it was something really comforting at the time. It was, it's, a, it's, this is a, it's a, it's a really nice movie like there's no villains in it there's no um uh you know it's it's sort of described as a as a comedy drama i don't i i see it pretty much as a straight comedy you know with a, a romantic comedy it's got the the dramatic elements to it but it's still pretty much just a comedy and um i think maybe the reason it got swallowed up by everybody else's you know the filmography that's grown from Edward Norton and Ben Stiller is it's Lightweight, it's you could even call it inconsequential, mm-hmm. but True. a movie doesn't have to be uh earth shattering in order to be a good movie. And this was just something that I, you know, we're coming off of like I remember at that time, you know, like Fight Club came yes. out and American History X, American History what? X, yes. and uh. Even Ben Stiller at the time was, you know, he was in a movie called Permanent Midnight where he was a heroin addict. And um, so all these really heavy movies with these two guys and then out comes, which was especially shocking that Edward Norton directed it. Yes. He's so, you know, the, the opposite of, of what you've seen him in in every movie up to that point
0: and um that's my first problem but i'll get to you and it's (laughs) it's an internal problem but i'll let you keep going but it yeah it was just at the time
1: it was um it was just a really nice movie to sit through and i remember just feeling good coming out of it and um uh i've gone back to it many times over
0: the years i probably watched it at least once every five years i think this movie has extremely high rewatchability and maybe it's because it's so kind of light in its execution but just like you said i think one of the reasons why when i watched the first time i couldn't really see it really is because and i really think people need to understand this because i think a lot of people are going to have this problem edwin norton has done such extremely intense movies and ben seller is this is more his, you know, wheelhouse comedy. Especially after this, he had a massive, explosive comedy that kind of defined his career. Meet the Parents. Before this, it was um, the one with um, one of his greatest comedies. People say it's actually one of the greatest American comedies. Something about Mary. Yep. And you just when I saw Edward Norton and Ben the, playing these roles, they in my mind they were already typecast. Edward Norton's a mm-hmm. super serious guy. Ben Seller's a super static guy. And they are acting. They're just acting as different people. And I couldn't see it. I literally just thought they were... It It, it was too much for my brain. I just thought, I see Edward Norton. I see a super serious guy. But he's playing a very gentle, humble, nice Catholic priest. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, that's just... What, what's he, what is he doing? Where's the edge? And I see Ben Seller playing more of what I've seen normally. But even then, I just think... It it doesn't compute. So, the the I'm just trying to lay it down and say I never took this movie seriously the first time, and it's kind of I lost something in that. I lost something. I lost. I lost the initial experience because I never saw them as actors. I've seen them do so many. I guess they're kind of typecast in what they've done very well. They do a certain type of movie very well. I'm so used to that. Then when you see them doing this role these roles it just doesn't compute and the first time i completely just shrugged it off so the second time trying to do my review thing putting on my critique hat i said let me clear the deck clear my mind and watch this as as as, let me watch these guys as actors and that's when i saw them act and i truly saw two different dimensions to both of these guys which it blows my mind it really does, because honestly, like like I said, if you see these actors for what they normally do and you see this movie, you might be really surprised because especially for Edward Norton, mm-hmm. I'm really shocked at how well he, he he directed and acted in this movie. Well, and even Ben Stiller, I mean, you mentioned Meet
1: the Parents and uh, there's something about Mary. He he was, I think, starting to get typecast as the embarrassing things happen to him yeah. in the movies. You know, it's it's he's he's and in this movie he's confident and um you know he's not uh you know those other movies he's sort of the the guy chasing the woman and uh you know often not having much luck and in this one he's you know all the women are chasing him so it, it was definitely it was a different kind of a role for him while still staying in that uh romantic comedy kind of genre
0: yeah um there is a um there's a humbleness to this movie and just a genuine execution in how they act which it, it just kind of dis- disarms you as the movie goes on the more i watch the movie and i just thought i'm starting to i i bought the relationship i bought the friendship and it's nothing heavy there's no edge to the movie that's the most disarming thing you're watching this movie seeing these two guys and expecting edge even something about mary for it being a romantic comedy it's kind of crazy it does some really zany things and you expect that in this movie doesn't do that edwin norton you've seen him dark twisted things doesn't do that and you see these two a you know a list actors forming a relationship and it's really interesting to see that the, the the dynamic these two best friends have so when you put that you know that's the first thing that won me over so the actual story of these two people of different faves getting together Interesting idea. As Edward Norton says himself, it's a joke. Priest mm-hmm. and the rabbi, it's the most classic joke that he took as an inspiration for an idea for a movie. And that is gonna lead me to my first clip. And then I'm gonna ask you, James, what you actually thought of this this idea, which is a running joke, a, a classic American joke that he's actually used as a premise for a film. Let's hear Edward Norton talk about that for a second
2: first and foremost it's it's comedy i mean it's it's funny it's a rabbi priest joke, you know, writ large it's it's kind of like there was a rabbi and a priest and they were best friends, and you know they both fell in love with the same girl and what happens and a rabbi I think I've heard this one. yeah, you know, the main appeal of it to me was that it you know it fell very squarely in the tradition of some great comedies um that i've always that I've always loved, like the Philadelphia story or broadcast news or. Maybe even Jules and Jim, in terms of like this, you know, this exploration of a of a dynamic between three people. Anna, Jake, and Brian were inseparable. Both boys were head over heels in love, I love, pure and I remember talking to Ben at one point. We were talking. I said we were talking about what the, it was all about, and I sort of I said to him, I said, you know, in a lot of ways, this is this is about. It's perfect for you and me because it's about two guys who have done really well with their in their kind of youthful ambition—they've gone after, they've they've gone after doing things their own way.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of hard to get to get an interview for him because this is such an old movie. He's he was eighteen or twenty years old exactly, I mm-hmm. remember, yeah, right now. So it was int- it was hard for me to get a long conversation from from doing that. But he created something quite inventive, and it isn't just a gag. I think what he's trying to do here with a dichotomy of these people come from different places being best friends and then adding a love a triangle element on top of it it's executed really well i'm really surprised yeah it's it, it i mean we've already said was. It,
1: it was just very surprising coming from him but i think really the movie that everybody maybe had forgotten at that point that he had done was everyone says i love
0: you Oh yeah, Woody. Take it back to Woody Allen. Yeah, the yeah. Woody Allen's musical. <laughs>
1: and you can definitely, the I think this is a good example of somebody who took inspiration from Woody but didn't rip him off. Doesn't try to do the Woody character. And it's the the comparisons are obvious. You know, it's set in New York, and the the characters don't shut up. About the fact that it's set in New York, <laughs> and um, it's, I think, very comparable to something like Annie Hall or mm. um, maybe a, a lighter version of Hannah and Her Sisters.
0: Yes, um, that I agree with. I was going to bring that up as well. Yes, so you know, it's
1: it's clear. I mean, even everyone says "I love you" in the the opening song that Edward Norton sings has those the sort of montage of the city, which. Uh, many shots in this feel kind of reminiscent of, but at the same time, he doesn't do the. You know, I, I've said this about the last two movies that we talked about, that there's one thing that people seem to take away when they try to do a Woody Allen movie, and that's they they come off as pretentious. And this movie doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's um, not, yeah, I agree
1: completely. It's definitely more sentimental than Woody would go, but it gets the things that he does right and, and then puts their own spin on it. It doesn't, it doesn't have like a jazz uh, soundtrack. It, uh, you know, doesn't try it, you know, it, it doesn't even, when, when it makes sort of references, you know, in a Woody Allen movie, it would be jazz or it would be uh, art or something. And this it's, it's Rain Man or the Godfather or, Things that are are more accessible to a wider audience, yeah. Uh, which is which is fine. Which is you know, Woody himself, if he were into those things more, would probably make those comparisons. So this was, I think, Edward Norton learning a lesson while watching Woody do that, and and then putting his own spin on it instead of just trying to make a Woody Allen.
0: It's actually kind of funny because I think nine years later. Ben Seller made his Tobio debut with Tropic Thunder. So in 2009, I think if I'm getting the year right, he did Tropic Thunder, his first foray yeah. as a director as well. And it's... A lot of actors wait until they've got so many movies under their belt before they turn to directing. Well, that's my observation anyway. It's so interesting to see. I know Edward Norton was acting from a much younger age anyway. I, I still think Edward Norton at this time in his career was still quite an underrated actor in the i guess in the pop culture of hollywood for the most people so Mm. for him to decide that you know i'm gonna be the director i i I don't really care that my movie that my my idea is just basically based on a on a joke but Mm. i have a compelling story i want to tell and i want to use religion and things that i understand about people around me and i think i can relate this to a, a, a co-worker of mine and as he said you heard him say himself he can plant his their experiences in this movie and it's just a wonderful surprise um Mm. i've got so many clips to play but before we even go any further i want to say this guys a lot of the clips i'm going to play are going to kind of ruin the movie please if you haven't seen this movie i will tell you now i really 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 like this movie go watch the movie i'm going to play a lot of clips i want to kind of dissect and highlight and i just want to say please, we don't want to really spoil the experience. This is a movie I highly recommend. I'm going to thank James in advance for bringing this to me. Go watch the movie, come back, and we're going to dig even deeper into this. But blown away, uh, what a surprise. And if you like these two actors and you've seen them do the same kind of movie, and different, you, you know what they do. You're going to get a pleasant surprise here. Um, and yeah, I I, 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 I can't wait to dig even deeper. But I just wanted to say that before we start playing clips and we kind of ruin certain elements of the movie because the script is great and i want to the dialogue is really great as well which is why i got so many clips but yeah guys go watch it come back pause it come back and let's talk about it even more but uh james i think we've been a little bit sexist we've been focusing on the two male characters mm-hmm. i was
1: just thinking that
0: <laughs> for too long let's talk about jenna elfman and i'm gonna give ai am gonna give funny enough a bit of a backhanded compliment to her because she is phenomenal in this mm-hmm. role, but she kept reminding me of someone else. Her voice, her mannerisms, her whole character. I really thought she was a reincarnation of another human being, another actress. And then and then I found out something even funnier. I'm talking of Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham of Gilmore Girls. Mm. They are so similar. It is fucking crazy. Everything about her in this movie reminded me of Lauren Graham, only to find out That they actually did a TV series together. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, in the early nineties, it was called Townies, and Uh they are really good friends. And I'm not even saying, even in I know this is a deep cut. Even if you go back and watch clips, they don't even act the same. I'm just, I was just so shocked how much, and I love Lauren Graham. By the way, I've already spoken about Gilmore Girls on my YouTube channel. You know, Bad Santa done so much great things. Lauren Graham. -hmm. Jenna Elfman in her own right is fantastic. I already am in love with Lauren Graham anyway. So if you've got another actor like that in any way, she's such a, a perfect pick. She's so great. And let me tell you something, when you've got these movies where you know it was one woman between two guys, I find that a lot of the the script kind of makes you hate the female character, and this is not one of them times. In fact, The balance and the understanding of where each character is coming from is phenomenal and even in the latter part of the movie where you get into the love triangle a lot more and you could you could in a way see her as a villain maybe Well, not a villain you could see her as using one of the characters no the way she explains herself and the dialogue that is written which i'm going to play later she is she was amazing perfect perfect cast Amazed. i loved her Mm mm-hmm I mean I I
1: knew her at the time from a, a TV show that had been on called Darman Greg.
0: Yes, uh, where she correct.
1: played more of like a hippie character hmm. which is the exact opposite of this character who's, you know, businesswoman and uh, sort of master of the universe and you know, I've I've had those female friends where you're hanging out with them and you're just friends but they do certain things and you're like, wait a minute, are they into me? I don't, Mm -hmm. what is happening right now? I don't, I, you know, and the confusion that can ensue from that. And I've, I've had those friends. And so I related to that, that, you know, what, how, how things could be mistaken and how people could get, uh, their feelings hurt. But like you said, you could easily end up hating this character and you never do, you know, you, you could say that, uh, Ben Stiller uh, and her making the decision not to tell Edward Norton that that's wasn't wasn't a great decision for them to make but you understand it you never like Completely. you never think these people are cruel you yeah. never think even when everything goes wrong you never blame her and that's a, a not only a credit to the writing but it's a credit to her performance where you know the best the best kind of romantic comedies um for you know i i think of this actually kind of as a, a romantic comedy uh it's it's a chick flick for guys yeah in a lot of ways and the best
0: kind of movies like that i think even that i think even that underserves it i think it's even yeah it's even stronger than that i think that's even doing it a disservice to be honest with you but you can you you sh- you should have a crush on the girl just yes. like they do Yes,
1: uh, i mean if you know i mean the best example of that is annie hall mm-hmm. but you absolutely you're, you're watching this movie and yeah you go you go out with jen elfman in a second this character from this movie i mean she's funny and and smart and and charismatic charismatic, charismatic. as hell yes. I, watching this movie yesterday re-watching it i thought why did she never break out into something bigger why did she not
0: uh, end up because Lauren Graham took her shine. Lauren Graham <laughs> took her shine, man. I'm telling you, they're like the same goddamn person. Let me play the first clip, which is dedicated to her, and it's a funny clip. But the first time I saw it, I thought it was a little bit cringy. But again, every time this movie was kind of like, I don't really like this. It would always win me off for the end, and I'll play the clip, and then you, you uh, hopefully you will hear what I'm talking about.
3: I am so sorry. What a waste. People should have to qualify to go out with you. You're too precious to be on the open market. That's what I try to tell them. See, they should listen to you.
2: You're the best, you know that. If only you were Jewish.
3: Yeah, well, nobody's perfect. So what'd you wear?
2: I'm not going to tell you what I
3: wore
1: on my date. Why should I do that?
3: I want to get an image of a young rabbi on the prowl. What's your game, man?
1: All right. Navy blue button-down shirt.
3: Mmm, it's a good color for your eyes. Navy
1: blue pinstripe
3: suit. I can picture that. Tasteful, yet with a quiet power. Shoes?
2: Black kind of cold leather. Size? Big.
3: Ow! <laughs>
1: Wanna hear about the special knot in my tie?
3: Ooh, baby, no, we gotta save room for dessert. <laughs> Don't give up hope, okay?
2: I'll keep it alive.
3: That's right goodbye
0: mr sharp dress man
2: Bye.
0: <laughs> you see it sounds like they're having this like foreplay but at the end you can see they're just being very playful and when edward Norton, i'm gonna compliment edward Norton's directing as well it's a very close shot of her and it looks like she's you know enjoying the sensualness of what he's saying but they're friends and you can at this stage you can see that and again she has just got so much charisma i thought you know she's kind of broy, she's you know she's kind of got that masculine energy a bit, but it doesn't seem forced a credit to her as an actress it seems genuine. it just seems that like who she is, and it's very attractive, very attractive
1: and you also get the feeling that maybe in a if in a different scenario she could have ended up with Edward Norton that maybe she does have a crush on him as well. It's just not the same kind, yeah. And, uh, but that, you know, had he not become a priest, maybe she would have come back and uh, it would have been a more difficult decision, which one she actually liked, which is something that again is, is understandable. They they don't make her out to be playing the two off of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I've had those friends and, you know, you, you, you kind of flirt and sometimes you don't think anything of it and sometimes something comes of it and um i found that very relatable they're they're they, they have great chemistry together ben stiller and jenna Elfman, and and they also just you're rooting for them yeah which is not something that always happens in in these kind of movies sometimes one of them comes off so badly that you just think at the end, why are you two together? You know, this person really screwed you over and you yeah. never ever had that feeling in this.
0: No, I, you know, I, f- I hate movies. Or, you know, there's a lot of TV series you can watch where, you know, this guy's playing, uh, this woman's playing both guys and you know it's gonna come to a head and you're just dreading that moment um I, I wish i could just bring something to memory but this mostly happens in television shows and then it goes back and forth and back and forth but when it was happening especially jumping into the part where ben Seller and her was ha- starting to have the relationship i never felt like it was malicious like you said i never felt like they were having those sexy scenes and poor old edward norton no because mm-hmm. we saw edward norton living his life and going through his thing as well and i guess from a writer's perspective Edward Norton was directing as well. He didn't actually write the movie. I get the writer's name as well. But he, you know, obviously guided the movie. And to actually direct the movie, it takes a lot. So I think it would have been a lot for him to kind of... I think he made the right choice. I actually wouldn't have enjoyed this movie if she felt equally about both of them and then she had to make a choice. It's been done before. I think Mm -hmm. it's much more natural that, to be honest with you, pretty early on the movie, you can, from that conversation... You can mm-hmm. see she's leaning towards Ben Seller. You can, it's immediate. And I think that's more realistic. I think it, it just, I think that was very natural. I think it was a really good choice. And near, you know, coming to the movie where Edward Norton does kind of find out It's it's how that happens is natural as well, which we'll talk about. But before we get more into the plot about that, um, I want to talk about Edward Norton's directing here. I thought his shots were really good. Now, again, I don't really want to compare it to Woody Allen, but, you know, taking those shots in New York, they didn't linger or love the city as much or make it as as much as the characters Woody Allen would. But I really enjoyed it. I think he did a really good job. I think he had his own style. And I think it was his own thing. And I, and I still think, again, when we spoke about um, I Love You, Daddy, and, you know, uh, Louis C.K., it just felt so apish like he was copying that like he was trying this just felt like i didn't feel that way i've when edwin was going over the city there was one um scene in particular where they're going to a party and they're on a boat and it looks beautiful and this uh, and you can see the people there it's, it's shot really well i think it was really nice and i'm like yeah i can see Edward norton stamp here i can see his flair here and it it really and consistently throughout the movie the church scenes the scenes where they're just walking and going places the mo- the movie breathes there's not just jumping from scene to scene to scene to scene again like i love you daddy the movie breathes you get to see the lives of these characters it isn't all about the love triangle either you get to see them doing e- e- each one of them have their own lives and their own qualms and their own paths and I think the movie breathes, which is really good. It's not, it's not, a, it's not um, like a one and a half hour movie. It just gets, gets from here to there. It breathes. Well, it, and it, it it is a little bit of a longer
1: movie Yeah. for this, for this type of a movie. And it doesn't feel its length, but the thing that it, that, that allows it to do that. the I love you, daddy. And um, liberal arts didn't is you also have a supporting cast that you get to know. Yeah and uh, i'm so glad that i rewatched this because it, it had been a few years since i watched it because i forgot how good Anne bancroft is yeah in this movie and how important it is to have Milos Foreman in it as uh as the older priest and uh eli wallach as the the older rabbi who sort of are mentors to the younger guys yeah um you know you you get to know all of these other characters and care about them and see how they influence the story in a way where like I, like i was saying in liberal liberal arts it felt like the richard jenkins character his story was interesting but it didn't feel all that connected to the rest of the movie yeah um this one it it it, you know Anne bancroft gets to be funny and she gets to sort of have a a character all of her own and see how that character impacts the rest of the story so yeah, the, the the longer running time. I I I was actually surprised when I when I uh looked it up yesterday to see how long it was. I thought
0: this is like two hours long. This doesn't yeah. feel two hours long. I think again, it's so rewatchable. When you watch it again and you're not jumping from scene to scene, you get to enjoy the congregations. You get to enjoy the the things of Edward Norton directing, and that's what's great. Woody Allen does a lot of that as well. Woody Allen goes a bit further, but here. I think that's great. And that's what I think makes this movie time a lot better, age a lot more. It ages much more gracefully. It works really, really well. Uh I I I just still can't get over how much of a different experience this is the second time. And I guess I'm coming across that I adore the movie. I don't adore the movie. The movie doesn't have that edge that I was expecting. And that deflated me like this is really I want to call it some it's really light i mean and that just kind of like where's the confrontation where's the and there is confrontations in fact let me start playing the clips that really got to me and again this is all script even if you don't see this guys you listen to Mm -hmm. me just listen and tell me if this isn't this is a great conversation this is the first time this is when there's a, a, a confession between the two characters I'll just let it speak for itself. I loved it. Just hear the, just, just the genuineness in this, in these conversations.
3: I am in love with you, Jake. Yeah. I love you too. (laughs) No, you are in love with me. You jerk. You just won't say it because you're scared of what it involves. Yes, I am. Yeah, me too. But I'm dealing with it because I'm overwhelmed by this feeling that I have for you and I want to see if I can work it out. Great. How do I work it out? Okay. Let's just take it from the top. Don't talk to me about your mother or your brother or your synagogue. Just you. What do you need to work it out? Those things are me. Do you understand that? I can't separate them out. I mean, it might be
1: hard for you to accept, but the fact that you're not Jewish is a real problem for me.
3: I don't think so. Okay, okay, okay. All I'm saying, Jake, is I think you should be honest with yourself. Because I think if it was just up to you, you would stick with this and see where this relationship is going. But it's a problem for you, because you assume that all the people in your life can't deal with that. No, they can't. Well, give them a little credit, Jake. It's the 21st century. The 21st century? What the hell does a 21st century have to do with anything? This is you and me, right? I thought we were supposed to be just having a good time. Keep it simple. Well, that's my point. I'm having fun. I'm having fun too. This is a lot of fun. Woo, fun. Well, exactly. So why throw it away?
0: Uh, I could play more of that scene, but again, such a great conversation. And it's it, mm-hmm. it has a much, has kind of a sad, somber ending of that discussion, but what great writing. But still ends that scene with a, with a joke yeah. that doesn't deflate
1: the... Uh, the drama of what was happening, uh, but it's a good little capper to that scene. And uh, that's and that's something that I, that kind of struck me what rewatching it yesterday was that this, you know, uh, it's more of a thing in America than it is anywhere else in the world. but we have our our genre of movies, uh, the faith-based movies mm. that are always terrible they're never good. (laughs) They're never interesting. Uh, they're made very for a very, very specific audience. And this movie, there's theological discussions in this movie. These two guys, God is brought up a lot. And, you know, I mean, I like, I was studying to be a priest at the time. I'm not religious anymore. It never turned me off. It never made me feel like I was being preached at but they don't shy away from it in in, you know in another movie they would try to keep that oh we don't want to let's not talk about that let's not you know it's it's funny he's a priest he's a rabbi let's but let's not actually talk about what they do and you see how much their congregations mean to them yeah and you know the there's that scene early on where edward norton is um talking to his congregation and explaining the difference between uh religion and uh faith and it 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 made me wonder i mean i tried to look it up edward norton tries to keep his his personal life uh very quiet he doesn't like to have you know everybody know about who he is but i was watching it going he's got to be catholic there's there's no way he's not catholic because only somebody who had that faith could write those scenes because otherwise you'd have the you'd have the atheist character or the cynic or somebody in the movie to come in and kind of shoot holes and everything yeah and you'd never have that uh but it, like at the same time like you said it never smothers the movie you never feel like no um you're watching what's that stupid movie god's not dead or uh whatever horrible hallmark movie or something yeah it
0: rides that line and it rides it perfectly i don't know what it is the execution just works and both sides and this is the thing it's not just one if it was just a catholic side i'm like Mm -hmm. okay but to get it right twice from both actors Mm -hmm. it's kind of a feat and just like you said just like you i was like listen i don't listen i don't i think we have to have this conversation as well if a character, let's just say Edward Norton was atheist, does he have the right, I mean, everyone say an actor acts, that's what they do. In today's climate, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very different today. You know, people, oh, this guy is not, he shouldn't be doing that because he's not that. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with acting, even if it's something sensitive. As, when you do it this well, and look at you, you're questioning if he actually is. Mm-hmm you know, a serious Catholic because of how well he executes the role. And so was I same thing with Ben Stella. I was like, this is just too well done. It just can't be. And I hate to, I really, really hate to sound like I'm falling over this so much. Again, seeing these actors do these other roles, doing these very specific, very focused religious roles and being like, man, these guys are actually, what is, what is going on here? Oh, these guys actually? <laughs>
1: you get the feeling watching the the parts where they're doing their services,
0: you would like to be there. Yes, and and they're really those people. I'm like, this uh-huh. is I'm, this is why I'm so flabbergasted. You you could
1: get into you know um, you could you could so easily make cheap jokes like you know uh, oh have you ever touched a little boy or yeah you know and go that direction and instead it just looks at it and goes you know what the people that go to this church and the people that go to this synagogue they're just nice people and they're they're they have this community and um and there's nothing dark or sinister about it they nope. they don't get into the bigger politics of of anything it's just focus on these two specific churches and the the people that go there and just you know just live their lives and try to be good people
0: just as a side just as a quick aside there was only one joke in this movie which i thought in today's society they would remove or maybe you maybe james will say to me nah nah, i'm I'm being a little bit too touchy-feely there's a lot of actors in here by the way i'm going to name two one i'm going to bring up right now lisa edelstein i can't say the name properly who was cuddy in house house md with hugh lowey the mason series she's in this and she has a date with ben stella and there's a scene where she's talking about how much he tones up her her Uh um, her abs and she asks ben stella to hit her hit her in the in the you know in the stomach (laughs) and he's like no 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 and then he does it and then she just completely just gets knocked out and um even when you watch the um Edwin not an interview i just got the clip from he repl- he puts that that scene on loop and i'm just like in 2020 are they really gonna show a, you know there's gonna be a backlash about a man hitting a woman on the film i'm sure that would have been cut and even another scene where she's trying to get him um drag him into the house for some sex where he's like no 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 and i think he pulls her away so hard that she rebounds and hits the pavement uh-huh again physical it's physical comedy and it's against a woman but i just feel like today and how touchy-feely we are in society i think the, the, those scenes have probably got cut there
1: was there was some x-men movie a few years ago where there was a big controversy because they had a billboard up and it was uh you know the the villain and he's holding one of the the heroes by their throat and the hero's a woman and it was like you know violence against women and yeah. i just remember thinking they're super beings and they're both painted blue yeah and that was
0: apocalypse <laughs> oscar isaac i remember that that was apocalypse. yeah
1: and yeah. i just remember thinking uh, to, you know would apocalypse not hit her because well, don't hit women <laughs> um yeah but yeah i think it would probably cause some controversy in in the context he doesn't want to do it. She's she keeps saying, "Come on, hit me, hit me." Yeah. the The part that I that stood out to me was if they would do the
0: karaoke uh, oh,
1: store owner.
0: Well done. Well, you know what? And that was the big. I thought they were gonna go. So Ken Ken Lung, Ken mm. Lung, uh, actor. He was in Lost. He did a movie. Ken Lung did the movie I was considering us talk about. Because, again, it has a lot. It's, it's a romantic It's a romantic comedy. It's called Shanghai Kiss. I like what the movie tried to do. I, I don't know. Let's just say it's for our consideration. We'll get back to that. But the character um, James is talking about is Ken Lung. There's a scene where they go to buy a karaoke machine. And there's an American Asian. And he's just hamming it up. He's got the Asian accent. He, oh, it's really, really bad. But then at the end, he just comes out in the American act. You know, guys, I can cut you a deal, and it's funny. It was hilarious. They just, and I'm glad they just they did that, and he didn't. It wasn't just a stereotype. Edward Norton's smarter than that. I knew it wasn't going to happen, and I'm I'm glad that they just went through with that. So I don't have a problem with that joke. And even in I know tw- the I had no. I mean, well, because the the point of the joke too
1: was yeah, he's doing it to dupe these people who come in and are too stupid. To, you know, they they think, well, oh well, he's. Yeah he's he's asian so of course he would know about karaoke machines and so he hams it up for that reason yeah he's not mickey rooney in uh breakfast at tiffany's or yeah. something like that he's you know he's in control and he's and even he you know just when you think he might be the one character that is kind of a jerk in the movie they bring him back at the end yes exactly and show that he's a, a nice guy yeah too
0: yeah and if you watch the credits of the movie, they show, again, Lisa Eddenstein and King Long at the end. They put their bits in the credits, especially the, the, the scene I mentioned about Lisa Eddenstein getting punched in the stomach. They actually make a... They made a final joke about that again mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, which, again, is fine. It's I just... I know there'll be a hit piece. If some of you watching the movie like, this movie's not okay, 2012. Yeah. I watched Keeping the Faith and I noticed some inconsistencies and insensitive things against women that... <laughs> Wouldn't fly in twenty twenty. Uh,
1: uh, uh. Well, like
0: I said, that well, why don't they address the
1: controversy in the Catholic Church? uh uh-huh. Well done, exactly. You know, it, that's because it's not what the movie's about. To me, the, I mean, there were there were a few things that jumped out at me as being kind of dated. Yeah, go ahead. What, what go on. What, what, what comes off your head as outdated? I'm interested. The, there's that bit in the beginning where they're waiting for her at the airport and ah, you know, he, he says, uh, you know, uh, I bet she still, no, I bet she still le- listens to Leif Garrett and Benzler. no, it's Leif Garrett. Didn't you watch the behind the music? And you know, that stuck out to me as sort of like, okay, that's, that's, that dates the movie that makes it feel a little old. The, the the part that maybe did bother me a little bit this time was and okay. i think I, I said this earlier mm-hmm. you know if you in, in and I, I feel like this was the part that was sort of aping Woody Allen a little okay you know Woody Allen movie you've got New York there and you know everybody always well New York is a character in a Woody Allen movie and that's sort of the cliche yeah but woody always does it by just having the city it's mm-hmm. just there mm-hmm. here there's so many lines of dialogue where somebody is saying new york is such a great city can you believe we live in new york you know uh and it it sort of goes on and on and on it's a little bit telling instead of showing isn't that
0: what you americans do all the time <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yes but this movie was uh i thought that was new a new york stereotype in general forget with the i thought that's new yorkers love new york they can't shut about new york that's what i just i thought that was a go to <laughs> <laughs> it it might be i mean it's there's just that there's
1: that one part where they're edward norton and jenna elfman are at a park and um maybe it's central park and uh edward norton says something like you know oh, that the true new yorker knows that anybody who lives anywhere else is kidding themselves and i yeah. remember looking at the scene and going this doesn't even look like that nice of a park I mean, it's fine. We have parks like that everywhere. <laughs> it's not. It, whereas in a Woody Allen movie, there'd be, you know, like the obviously the most uh, obvious scene is the the one in Manhattan. You know, looking at the, the bridge. Woody has like I think one line of dialogue about yeah, this city. You know, it's a knockout. I don't care what anybody says. But mostly, it's just the bridge. It's the that's speaking for itself. Instead of having to to point out we're in
0: New York, hey, remember everybody, (laughs) we're in New York. Hey, listen, I can only tell you as an outsider, as a non-American citizen, I see that shit all the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. in American movies, TV shows. I think that's just this love for New York by New Yorkers. I hear it on the radio. Some of my favorite new york podcast i mean i hear that shit all the time i even i think i listen to a podcast called free economics where they've done that multiple times as well so i don't know but I, i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying i see that a lot i, th- I well <laughs> I, I mean i, I they,
1: they basically make it clear if you don't live in new york you're an outsider so in that <laughs> sense i'm also on the outside of it um but it yeah it, it that that just there were some lines of dialogue there that sure. just jumped out at me the movie is
0: just so damn charming. It is. I gotta play some more clips, you know? I got because I'm gonna play all of these clips. I know we gotta Please do. Kind of like this. <laughs> Let me play some more clips, guys, because I love it that much. I'm sorry, but yeah. Uh, this was great. And this again, I would say Edward Norton's directing the movie, and he puts the light on Jen Elfman and Ben Stiller. And because of that, I would say as an actor, he slightly shortchanged himself, but he's directing the movie anyway, and that's what he wanted to do. You know he wanted to guide the movie and act in it and so i'm not surprised he's not in it as much as you might expect he's in it a lot i'm not saying that but this is one of his this is one of his big scenes and again this is where you see edwin norton just acts differently i honestly i haven't seen him act with this emotion and just it's just so subtle and um yeah it's kind of heartbreaking
3: brian oh. Come, brian Come on, let's just talk about this. You don't drink.
2: Excuse me, but I think in light of recent revelations, neither of us is in a position to say what the other one does or does not do with much authority, wouldn't you say? Oh, god. (laughs) You must think I'm such an idiot. No, Brian. No, no, no. I mean, I think I'm an idiot. I mean, all these moments with you you don't have been walking around on a cloud, and (laughs) just been reflected glow of you and Jake. That's not true. I'm so embarrassed. I t- God, talk about a bad case of the third wheel. Oh, Brian! I feel like I'm on some bad new Aaron Spelling show. Melrose Priest. No, I don't. I don't get this. You know why? Why now? Why tell me like this after months and months of lying? Why call me over in the middle of the night and cry to me and? He broke up with you, didn't he? <laughs> that moron broke up with you. And you called your old friend the priest. Well, I... don't know. No, it makes total sense. It's just... Tonight, I really didn't want to be one.
0: <sighs> Man, I... Again, the first time I... Wa- I don't know. I don't even remember that scene the first time I watched it. The second time, when he just said, I'm so embarrassed. And you see his face and how he delivers the line. And you look at him... It's a gut punch. I was surprised how sad I felt from that. Wow, man. I really feel the weight of just the shame and just the disappointment. It's, and there's another, I got another scene where he does the same thing again, but what great acting. And I really, after all these years, just last year, I saw a new, Edward Norton, I always knew he was a great actor without a doubt. It's an amazing movie but I just saw a new dimension of him when I saw this movie and I was really impressed. People forget now because, I mean, he's he's sort of
1: gotten a bad rap as being hard to work with and everything. Because of the Hulk, yeah. <laughs> because of the Hulk and everything. But he came out of the gate as, like, the greatest actor of his generation. Yeah. I mean, the very first movie he does is Primal Fear, and he gets nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, by the time, yeah, Primal Fear was only, I think, 96 so by the time Keeping the Faith came out, he'd only really been around for four years. But, yeah. um, you know, he he had American History X and Fight Club and People vs. Larry Flint and Rounders. And uh, the, the guy just sort of came out dominated. Yeah. And and then he gets his chance, you know, uh, OK, we're going to let you direct. What do you want to direct? I want to direct this really light movie where you know, it's a priest and a rabbi fall in love with the same girl and he could have just as easily made a David Fincher kind of a movie or yeah,
0: which would be more expected of as well would, yeah
1: complete I mean there's one there's just one shot in this movie where like the Edward Norton we know comes out where it's he's having a, a dream about <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh actually getting to to sleep with jenna elfman and there's one tight shot on his face where it's like that's the guy from fight club that's the guy from uh american history x you see that tension in his face that, can I, that can aggression
0: I pause you there and say actually before i forget the cin- the sensual scenes that are in this movie because there's a lot of sex between jenna elfman and ben stella and that mm-hmm. dream you just mentioned it's shot actually quite intimately the scenes mm-hmm. where they're making love it's they're very fleeting because they it's kind of it the, the scenes just jump between ben Sella. it shows how their relationship is kind of progressing and degrading and the sex they have it's really sensual i mean the first time they have sex in the bed and the way he's caressing and the way edward the way edward not directed those scenes surprisingly intimate for even this borderline family movie that i was like this is quite intimate and that dream where he was you know as a priest having his first erotic dream about his friend that was quite it was comical Mm -hmm. as well it was really well done i just thought he's got an eye he's got an eye for this you know for sensual stuff too which is i have to compliment i mean and and the the sort
1: of the pent up sexual desire that you'd have if you were a priest. Yes. You know, he doesn't just dream about like this this um sensual moment with her. He's ripping her clothes off and yeah. um which which makes sense and I think it, looking at the movie another director might not have done that. They might have pulled back and said, "Oh, let's you know have a this where they all they do is kiss and then he wakes up and instead it's like, no, this guy has, he's a priest. He's not had sex in, you know, they mentioned that he had had sex before he became a priest, but this guy's repressed. Yeah. And so his dream has to represent that. And again, this could have been you know, they, they keep it PG 13, but um, yeah, I mean the, the scenes with, with her and Ben Stiller, yeah, there's it's surprisingly you know, I mean at first all they want to be is friends with benefits. Yeah. And you know, they they could shy away from that. They could cut to the curtains, you know. And uh instead they they linger on it and they show these two people in a very intimate moment and it's a it's a comedy for adults that doesn't have to rely on You know, most of the time, if you say, "Well, we're we're making a comedy for adults," then it's R-rated and it's immature and it's, which is fine. Those movies have their place too. But this one, it's sort of like we're going to assume that our audience is smart. And I always, it's one of it's the reason I love Woody. It's because he always, he doesn't play down to the audience. He never assumes that his audience is dumb. Yeah. And this movie you
0: know says hey we're gonna assume that you're all grown-ups here well let me play the last two clips and then to that because i got a question to ask you it's our woody allen question but um okay. just because i was just about to interrupt you to play it because you you almost pinpointed the perfect place perfect place to play this but i'll play it here anyway and this was um when he talks to his uh priest about the situation and how he felt i don't know I'll tell you something
2: if she had kissed me back, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now. I would have given it all up. And I mean, she didn't. But I don't know. I just I keep thinking about what you said in the seminary about how you know the life of a priest is hard, and if and if you can see yourself being happy doing anything else, you should do that.
0: <laughs> well, that was my recruitment pitch, which is not bad when you are starting out, because it makes you feel like, like a Marine. The truth is, you can never tell yourself that there is only one thing you could be. If you're a priest or if you marry a woman, it's the same challenge. You cannot make a real commitment unless you accept that it's a choice which you keep making again and again and again. I've been a priest over 40 years and I fell in love at least
2: once every decade. You're not going to tell me what to do here, are you?
0: No. So then you've got some added wisdom to the story as well. Uh, There's one last clip I'll play in a minute, but I I just want to say the movie has definite wisdom in it. There's a lot of allegories there's a lot of sensible talk there's one scene i didn't i didn't want to capture there's a an argument between ben seller too, between ben seller and edward norton the last argument they have when ben seller kind of catches him outside after they've had a massive fight and that was just that one scene where they really argue and they have it out is when they show their true friendship when they really rise above their you really see what their friendship is really about even with the situation they have with the love triangle and the i I felt jealous i felt i don't have a friend like that like they really love each other as friends regardless of what's going on and even if the thing i love about this story is that i felt like no matter how the relationship went with the with jenna they still would have been friends Mm because their friendship means more to them. It's really important that they're all friends. And on that note, I will play the final clip, which will solidify the point I just made, which is an amazing, amazing final point.
3: You don't have to say anything. Okay. Just listen to me. I just want to say one thing and then I will go away. You're my friend. And whatever else is going on, can't have you out there thinking that my feelings for you are tied in to my feelings
2: for Jake that's not the problem and you know it i thought you wanted me and and that affected me i don't know i i maybe that's not fair and i'm reading all kinds of things wrong but it sure felt that way to me
3: I don't know what to say. I, um, I've just been having so much fun and I've been feeling all of these feelings lately and not just my feelings for Jake reconnecting with this part of myself that has been shut down for a long time. And if I indulge those feelings too much with you, or if I took you for granted, I am so sorry. I can't bear that I hurt you.
2: Uh, It's not your fault. I totally set myself up for this. I'll tell you something, I don't know which feels worse, having my heart broken or starting to doubt myself because of what that means for me.
3: Don't you dare doubt yourself. You have a gift and you know it. And if you start to doubt that because of me, Brian, I don't know what I would do with myself.
2: I don't doubt myself because of you. I I feel like the best version of myself around you and that makes me doubt everything else.
3: I don't know what to do, Brian. Just tell me what to do and I will do it.
0: That... Last scene just showed me how sophisticated and mature the movie is with its narrative and its friendship, and that I mean, no matter how silly the movie is, that the friendship and the way how evenly mature it is and fair and honest, Mm -hmm. and I and earnest. I think earnest. I Mm -hmm. think this movie is really, 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 really earnest in a very mature way. That maybe you have to be a certain age to appreciate. That you just don't see in many movies, especially in a movie about, you know, uh, a love triangle. The, they are so trite. Those relationships mm. and those series and those other narr- those other mediums that tackle freeways are so annoying. But when you do it with these actors that surprise you with this mature thought-provoking and sophisticated you know it's really strange i can't believe how this movie turned out the second time i watched it (laughs) what a gem this movie is a absolute gem um and i'm not saying it's the most amazing movie ever but it will surprise you um and it has a high rewatchability. and uh, i'm sorry to jump on you i'm gonna cut and say this one last thing to if all that wasn't enough if everything wasn't enough at the very end he even breaks convention when you know the, the two characters know they love each other. They know it's gonna be race to the airport. Even the way the final, you know, love bit is executed, defies convention. Edward Norton's like, you know what? I'm gonna do that even differently. Even just the setup, it's fun. It's different. It's unique. It makes the film different and refreshing and funny. I mean, that's what makes this, to quote an Aladdin reference, a diamond in the rough hmm yeah it's
1: um i want to watch the movie again <laughs> uh it's it's um you know i mean what you you said you know I, I i've i think that was another thing when i was watching the movie that i related to the, the first time i watched it you know i mentioned that you know i just had my heart broken and it was really having this person who i was the best version of myself around and i was much younger than uh, than edward norton's character but to have that and then to not have it you then have to figure out how to be that version of yourself when you're not with that person Mm. and that's the kind you know this movie doesn't you know it it could just as easily have have ended with uh, you know, I I, I can imagine this the, the sort of the what people might have thought it would have been in an Edward Norton movie. Oh, then and then you know he gets his heart broken and he shoots them both. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. Um, fight Club two. <laughs> yeah, and and instead it's even when it gets uh, that scene that you mentioned where the two of them have the big fight. I never I never disliked Ben Stiller in it because never never. yeah his reasoning is fair it's not oh i want to be a player i want to you know i i don't want to be tied down it's i'm worried what's going to happen to my relationship with my mother to my congregation it's not you know oh well i you know there's these other women and i kind of like to sleep with them he's got actual concerns that are justified and i think that'd be the one you know he played that scene with with the older priest that might be my favorite scene in the movie mm. um and i i love Milo forman as a director and so to see him get to have that performance was and by a little little piece of trivia yeah Milo forman uh the year before had directed man on the moon the andy kaufman movie
0: oh the jim carrey movie yeah cool mm-hmm. and if you listen
1: there's a part in it where edward norton leaves a voicemail for jenna elfman Hmm. And he does an Andy Kaufman impression in the voicemail. Oh, Edward that's what Norton that was.
0: That's what that was. Okay, okay. Uh huh.
1: Edward Norton was up for the role of Andy Kaufman in really? that movie, and basically it came down to him and Jim Carrey, oh. and and Milos Foreman couldn't decide which one. And he he literally went to the studio. He said these two are both perfect. You pick and the studio picked Jim Carrey. But yeah. Edward Norton came that close to being Andy Kaufman, so he'd spent a lot of time with Milos Foreman, and he said, hey, I'm doing this movie. Would you come over, play this little part? And then he does; he gets to do his Andy Kaufman uh, impression.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Well done. That's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only, I mean, you don't really have
1: that scene between Ben Stiller and Eli Wallach as much the 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 older person that Ben Stiller gets to interact with in that sort of way is his mother. And this the 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 dynamic between a mother and son, between uh between best friends, between friends who become lovers, it's all played in a way that feels real. And when you laugh, the laughter is for the most part recognition of the reality of it. It's not yeah there's there's the occasional wacky bits like you said the resolution of the run to the airport kind of a moment uh is sort of a Ben Stiller gets to have some physical comedy there. Yeah. But um you know the the bad date that he goes on with the, with the one Lisa uh, woman that he punches in the stomach. Yeah. I've been on that date. <laughs> yeah. And the you know the uh moments like that they're they they feel real and you laugh at the sort of you know that there's that great moment where anne bancroft just she wants to just have this nice moment with with her son and with jenna elfman and she says let's just take a moment and breathe yeah you're not breathing i don't hear you breathing and you know it's it's not like a hit you over the head kind of a joke it's a joke that you have to be i I could see like younger people being bored out of their mind during this movie
0: definitely people definitely. who who don't
1: want to invest the time they're like where are the jokes we want jokes like thrown in our face constantly and that's not what this movie is going to do you have to again going back to to woody there's a sophistication to it there's mm-hmm. You know, even when when Woody is doing the, you know, bananas or uh, or sleeper, he's not, you know, he's he's doing something that's broader, but it's not saying, oh, my audience is stupid; they're not going to understand if I don't, you know, hit them over the head with it. This movie is very smart; it's very sweet, um, which is a very hard combination to do a very sweet movie can oftentimes be very saccharine and and uh and sticky and gooey and make you just cringe and this one really doesn't do that and that's a very it, edward norton really should direct more often
0: yeah i am so i just realized that we've been praising edward norton in general but i forgot to say ben seller was a great actor here he did really mm-hmm. really well i mean i just forgot to praise him just because i was completely transfixed by his performance you know i don't i never really saw ben seller as a super goofy slapstick actor anyway every time i see him he's one of the even though he's a good comedy um actor and even director as we've seen i just bought him i I didn't have a i had an easier time buying him and edward norton edward norton Mm -hmm. was the one i was shocked as i was seeing like wow this He's an earnest, soft priest. He really is a character. But something about Ben Seller, it just felt so natural. He, I mean, big te- a big testament to Ben Seller. He was a great pick. He did really well. I've got nothing. I, I I should give him the praise he deserves as well. And, you know, their friendship for both of them. They both bring it to the table. They're both on an even kill. I believe they're friends in real life. Obviously, that's why they did it together. It shows in the movie. I would have never guessed. If you had told me, you know, Ten years ago they did the movie even 2010 i'd be like really what kind of movie was that was ben seller a cop and was um edward norton a killer and then you know some goofy hijinks you know if you told me they were oh, ones a, uh, a rabbi wants a couple of peace and they're both in the love triangle be like, get the fuck out of here
1: <laughs> well, i mean even if you look at you know it's a very subtle thing but like edward norton lightens his hair yeah in the movie and uh is is more of a blonde in the movie it's almost like he's trying to say to the audience yeah "Uh, i know you just saw me in fight club last year but um just kind of settle into me doing this and um but you're you're right ben stiller ben stiller um i don't feel like he gets enough credit in general yeah i think so i agree i wholeheartedly agree with that i mean he he's i mean he's he did the like the meet the parents movies and um and he's you know because you get into that you know oh this was so successful i'm gonna try and do more of these and then they're never as good but he's he's done a lot of movies like the secret life of walter Mitty,
0: which which i didn't like it wasn't his fault it was a remake and i wasn't I was a bit disappointed with actually the script of that. I was very I was looking forward to that movie a lot. When I went. was,
1: I mean that that's a movie that like I I feel like I like it more every time I see it. Okay. Um, I didn't like it all that much the first time I saw it, but I I, I come back to it actually. Okay. Uh, every few years, and I I find that I enjoy it more every time. But mm, okay. Um, but his performances, I think, what people were expect. Oh, it's a Ben Stiller movie. It's going to be like Tropic Thunder and instead it was you know it wasn't the goofy you know people probably saw the oh did he, do, did he direct that by the way
0: did he, I he think did he directed, he directed he did. that one he did direct that as well yeah and did gor—I mean gorgeous job of of the the cinematography is phenomenal the, yeah. the trailer is the, amazing the trailer the
1: trailer is maybe one of the best trailers they've ever made for a movie that wasn't really that great but i have to agree yeah um <laughs> But, you know, you see the dream sequences in the trailer and everything, and you think, oh, it's going to be this wacky comedy. And instead, it's it's very earnest, and it's this guy on this the, this journey. And he can play those parts, and he does in this. He plays somebody who, even though he's, he's funny in the movie, you buy him as a spiritual leader to this synagogue. You don't, you know, it doesn't feel like somebody... You know where you see you see somebody in in a, in a part and you're like, no, I don't believe them in that part. you you believe him. You believe that he that people would come to come to the synagogue to hear him speak and and that he would be that kind of a spiritual leader. And you believe it from Edward Norton and that I that's maybe the, the, th- the key to this movie because Jenna Elfman brings the believability to that both of these guys would fall in love with her. You buy them in this and that is if if even one of them had been miscast, it wouldn't work. And luckily, all three of them are great in it.
0: You know, I've I just I have one more clip. It's it's a funny one. I'm going to end on a bit (laughs) of a funny joke. But all I will say, guys, you've heard you've heard us talk about the movie in depth. Play the clips. Just go in with an open mind. If you didn't watch the movie, you didn't stop. You heard us go over it just go in with an open mind forget everything you've seen for edward norton and ben seller as hard as it may be try to forget and just watch the two actors watch the story and see what you think and keep an open mind it's just forget about edginess forget about what they've done the tone of their movies the things they've done you might be in for a really pleasant surprise um and yeah i'll play this final clip which is one of the funny parts of the movie I think it it, kind of starts off this way and then you get back the movie kind of starts in reverse because Edward Norton when it starts is walking around drunk (laughs) and I'm like that's Edward Norton I know what's happened what's happened to you Ed and then you you watch the movie you find out and then just this this part just made me laugh so I thought I'll just bring it up here
2: let me get this straight I'm talking to a priest who went on a bender because his best friend, the rabbi, stole his girl. Right. I want to thank you for telling me this story. Why? Because now I can retire. You have to give me advice. That's what this is supposed to be about. Oh, oh God. What do I know? I'm a half Punjabi Sikh, one-quarter Tamil separatist. My sisters married a Jewish doctor from New Jersey and our other grandmother was an irish nun who left me this bar which is a very long story you're a sikh catholic muslim with jewish in-laws yes yes it gets very complicated i'm reading dianetics i don't blame you
0: that's probably the most woody allen joke in the whole movie Yes, (laughs)
1: that that uh, I mean, real quick, that probably is the only other bit that I would I would kind of criticize is Edward Norton starts telling that story to the bartender and he's drunk and he's slurring his words. But when it goes into the narration, he's suddenly very eloquent and speaking fine and yeah. It's it's a minor little nitpick but it was something that jumped out at me. It jumps out at me every time like, oh, he's fine now apparently. But uh that joke is great and uh um, Yeah. I I uh I another character in the movie that all that that's like I said, all the supporting characters work. It's it's he just has a great uh eye for casting.
0: Yeah that's it, man. I I've, 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 just all talked about the movie. I, ah, it was pleasant, man. I've been looking forward to talk about this for so mm-hmm. long guys. If you've watched the movie, um, share your thoughts on it. If you haven't go back, watch it, come and comment on our video again. This will be up on YouTube, James. I feel like this is a phenomenal, um, recommendation. i you know, I love these movies that we've just missed and no one mm-hmm. talks about and then we share them and they get more steam i know that's what you know reviewing is all about you know not just the movies we love i just i said this before i love just having a discourse but when there's something that we really enjoy it makes it even better but this is one i think people should check out more i know we always say what would he have done i don't know what mm-hmm. if would he put his hand in this Again, I just, I always see this. Sometimes Woody falls that neurotic character in too much. Mm. When Woody doesn't do that, you get more stuff like this because Woody's got all the ingredients just like this for sophistication good storytelling. But when he falls in that zany Woody Allen character, I just think the movie could be stronger without it. So I don't, I think the movie would be a little bit more, in terms of presentation directing, be a lot more of more visually stunning. It would have a better score. um Um, but but i don't think there's much to improve or upgrade in terms of the delivery of the the relationship the characters again we're not trying to compare this is just for fun this is just looking through the lens of a woody allen fan you know um Uh, i can see it as a
1: woody allen movie like 1979 woody's playing the ben stiller character diane keaton is the jen elfman character yeah um it would have been it w- It might have been good in a different kind of a way, but I don't think it would be as good as this.
0: Yeah, well, I guess that is um, one of my favorite Woody Allen movies. Um, the one which I can't remember right now, bloody hell. The one <laughs> with him, dying Keaton. That's the first movie he ever had with Dying Keaton in it, which I'm blanking on the name right sleeper? now. Sleeper? No. Was a sleeper? Oh, um play it again sam yes that's it play it again sam well done Mm. thank you thank you thank you thank you so yeah i guess you know that kind of setup is similar similar but still yeah man um really enjoyed this movie glad to add it what a perfect addition to woody adjacent so guys yeah again let us know what you think the next movie we're going to be discussing i will let you know actually for you guys who want to go and check it out first this is a very quite a hard movie to find there is a trailer out for it guys but do not look for the trailer if you want to get the movie just get it you can get it on dvd it is like less than four bucks i've seen it on amazon uk the movie is called entropy e-n-t-r-o-p-y it was made in 1999 the director is phil jonanu it stars an actor which gets a lot of flack but i think he's a good actor steven Dorff. I've spoken about this movie on YouTube. Um, It's a favorite of mine, but I would love to get James's take on it. So that is the movie we're going to be talking about in January. And uh, yeah, guys, you want to check it out first, or you've seen it? You know, stay tuned for that discussion. Uh, On a side note, last side note to drag this out even more, James, you brought up a movie um, that you that someone recommended or said that we might want to check out called *The Accidental Tourist*. Was that the name mm-hmm. of it? Yeah, I watched the movie. Um, man, it's missing a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you
1: said to me, I haven't watched it yet, but yeah,
0: I'm, I'm uh, the reason why I'm putting it on the putting on the airways for everyone to hear. What do you guys think? Do you think we should talk about an accidental tourists? I think Woody could have made it into a classic because honestly, it's just it needed Woody's hand very strongly, and I would come down on the movie because it's it's missing a lot it's missing a lot, but it's got the ingredients. I really, I don't think I want to talk about it, but I'm going to let James watch it and then decide if you want to talk about it. And then we'll go from there. But if you've seen that movie, then let us know, but that's, that's for consideration. That's for consideration. So anyway, James, um, is there anything else you want to say before I let you go from this discussion? Uh, just, uh, I, I hope everybody goes out and checks out keeping the faith. Yeah. Great movie it's out on dvd you can find it uh the cover is kind of weird because uh, you know Edward norton's hair is even more blonde on the dvd cover than he is in the actual movie <laughs> mm-hmm. it is the same movie guys it is the same movie it's the only one with him and the best seller and um i don't think Edward norton directed the movie after this if i'm not mistaken but he
1: directed one just i think last year called motherless brooklyn but it's very different it's more like a film noir kind of a oh, movie. oh
0: he directed that movie i saw the trailer for that okay mm-hmm okay well that, i think that's a crime movie right
1: yeah i haven't seen it yet but I, uh i i know it's the only other one that he's done so far
0: all right let me wrap up the discussion there before we go on a whole nother bender guys thank you for listening don't forget james where can they find you if they want to contact you directly as always
1: uh you can always find me at manic-expression.com and my books are available uh on amazon
0: the links will be in the description for that. You can find us on Twitter at Planet Tyro. We're on YouTube at Planet Tyro. All the links will be in the description. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And yeah, let other people know you might find it interesting. And in the meanwhile, don't worry, we're always on the lookout for more of the Allen stuff. But um, until next time, thanks for listening.